usual service because Pastor Jay's wife had COVID earlier this week and he's not able to be with us. So he's going to be sharing his word virtually via Zoom uh, here in a moment. So please, um, Katie's doing well. Family's doing well. Last time I heard from Jay, uh, continue to keep them in your prayers. And Pastor Dan's wife, Barbara, also had COVID. And Daniel let me know that she's doing better too. Uh, that was her second time around. So she got reinfected. Uh, so we're thankful for that. Um, here we go. Excellent. This is our Pastor Jay. <laughs> Welcome him. Everybody's going to be able to hear me. If you can't hear me, I'm sure somebody's going to text me and let me know sometime soon that this isn't working very well. So, um, but hey, good morning. Merry Christmas to you all. What a, a strange turn of events we've been going through here uh, just these past, these past few weeks and especially over the course of this past week. Um, this is weird. This feels like about uh, almost two years ago now, uh, speaking to you through a camera again here from the home live streaming to you. Um, what, a, what an interesting way for us to be doing Christmas. But uh, I just want to, uh, want to bring a word to you here today to just encourage and up, uplift you and help us uh, refocus our eyes again, once again, on the Lord. Uh, before I do that, I do want to uh, just share a couple of things that are, are coming up um, that is, I think, important for us to recognize. So we're, we're in a, a very interesting season right now. Uh, with the uh, the resurgence of, of COVID, uh, once again we have uh, Omicron, and now is uh, is it's starting to rise in the numbers, and and you guys are all aware of that. I don't think I'm telling you anything new, but um, but we at our father's house in particular have gone through just a really challenging season over these past few months, and I I believe uh, having lost two of our dearly loved uh, OFH family members uh, to COVID, and also. Um, seeing another pastor in the area losing his life, Pastor Rob from the mission uh, to COVID. I think it brings to us um, a real special sensitivity to those who are the frontline uh, healthcare workers, especially those that work in the ICU uh, here in the county. And, uh, and so prior to Omicron coming uh, uh, up and resurging uh, of, of COVID, we, um, we as a leadership team, um, really came up with, uh, had, had an idea proposed to us, and we, we said, hey, let's move forward with that. But that's essentially for us as a church to bless uh, the workers in the ICU that are, are, are fighting on the front lines there, uh, the battle against COVID. Uh, that's the doctors, the nurses, the other therapists that come in uh, in various ways to help those that are, are there in the ICU. We've had um, you know, really three close loved ones uh, of ours here at our father's house go through that uh, and uh, and lose their lives there. And having been in that ward, having had the opportunity personally to speak with those that, that work there and to see what they go through and to see what they see on a daily basis, um, I know my heart personally is sensitized towards what, what they go through. So we want to, as a church, bless them. And the way we're going to do this is uh, is twofold. Uh, one, we're asking for uh, for do donations um, in ten dollar increments. Uh, there are eighty five. We've got the count. There's eighty five workers in uh, in that ward, and we want to do in ten dollar increments. We're going to we're going to bless them with uh, gift cards and things uh, to uh, to local businesses that could be a blessing, a refreshment to them, and uh, and simultaneously uh, we ask that. Uh, 
we're going to have opportunities to to basically write thank you cards to them. Uh, so if you if you choose to give a um, a $10 donation, we ask that you also would write a thank you card uh, for each each donation that you're making. So you're both making the donation monetarily, and you're also making that thank you card as a blessing to that individual. And these are anonymous um, anonymous anonymous thank you cards. We don't know exactly who's going to receive which card. We're going to trust that the Lord's going to give us wisdom and to be able to release uh, words of life and encouragement to those uh, that are very much discouraged right now and, uh, and in, in great need of words of life and refreshing towards them. So I'd ask you to join me in that. Uh, over the next two weeks, we're going to have a table out in the lobby uh, that has blank thank you cards on it that you can go and you can fill them out. Just write it, uh, a, a nice note to somebody who's working in that ward. Just encourage them. Just speak life over them. Just be blessing over them. Uh, thank them for everything that they've been doing, the sacrifices they've been making. And that table is going to be out in our lobby for two weeks. You can come in uh, to the church in off hours through the week uh, if you don't, if you're not coming to uh, in-person services. Um, but if you are in in-person services, I encourage you to to make a donation and go out and, and write a card. If you don't have the money for a donation, that's not something you're able to do. Please write a card anyway. Uh, it's it's so important for us to be pouring life out to others right now. So I encourage you to do that. Also, if you're not able to make it in for any reason, maybe you live uh, distant from us. Maybe you, um, you, you're you just not leaving your home at this situation. That's, that's totally fine. That's your call. Uh, we're going to have uh, an opportunity for you to write uh, a thank you card. Uh, electronically, send that in, and then uh, and then somebody will transcribe that to a handwritten note for you. We want you to be able to participate. We want you to be able to release uh, life into those that are our neighbors. Uh, these neighbors of ours in this ward have been on the front lines, many of them since the beginning of this fight almost two years ago. And so I'd encourage you to participate with us in this. I'm excited for us to be able to do this. I think it's an important uh, gift that we're able to give to those uh, who are putting themselves out on the line in a sacrificial way and loving those among us who are suffering. And so uh, just appreciate you joining us with that. Um, I want to give a quick recap of the year before, as we get into our message. But before I do, I would like to pray and just ask for the presence of the Lord to come and, uh, and for him to and just really uh, speak, speak through this message here today to you, to bring encouragement to you, and for him to uh, reveal Jesus to you in a new way today. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for what you're doing right now, Lord. We thank you for everywhere your body is right now, everywhere your church is right now, Lord. We ask your blessings over them. I ask right now, Lord, today as we come to your word, as we open up your word, that we would find uh, you, Holy Spirit, highlighting things to us personally, individually, corporately. I ask that we would uh, just receive an anointing from your word today, a refreshment from your word today, that we would find life, we would find hope, we would find light in your word. We just thank you, Jesus, the word made flesh, that you came here to dwell among us. We ask today, Lord, as we speak about you, that you would stir our spirits, Lord. You would stir our spirits and you would strengthen us here today. In the name of Jesus, amen. I have to say it's really weird not being able to see your faces, um, especially those in the room. It's, it's been challenging for quite a while now to not see the faces of those that are uh, behind the camera. But um, it's it's good to be able to still speak to you here today, real time. Um, 
this past year has been quite a year for us. 2021 has been uh, just a, um, a an up and down roller coaster in many ways. Uh, we've seen various challenges, various trials face us. We've uh, we've had uh, tensions formed through the years. We've had uh, difficult situations and circumstances come up, and um, through it all, the Lord has continued to bless us. We've had. Uh, We've, we've watched as uh, several folks have struggled and lost their lives uh, in this battle against COVID. We have, um, we've gone through and finished a major transition uh, that has been years in coming. Uh, we've seen blessings. We've seen challenges. We've seen real significant trials, and they seem to overlap on top of one another, one on top of the other, um, time and time again. And so we're just um, coming through this year has been just a, a real, a real interesting time because with all of that, with all the challenges we face, with all of the trials, with all the struggles, we've seen some incredible things taking place. The Spirit of God has drawn us together as a people in a very unique way this year. He challenged us at the beginning of the year to uh, really increase our commitment to Him, our commitment to His Word, and our commitment to one another. I have seen you as a people draw close to him in a powerful way through this year. Last year, 2020 was just crazy. And 2021, I'm not sure if it was less crazy. It was a different type of crazy. But I've seen you as a people drawing closer to him, drawing nearer to him. I've seen your love for his word increasing. I've seen uh, us, you know, we we had a, a Bible class that was kicked off, and it was uh, very successful. We had many people showing up to that, learning uh, from Josh Wagner just a, how to um, come to God's Word and how to understand the, the variety of types of texts that are in the biblical text and how we can rightly divide the Word of God, and just introducing us to that in a really wonderful way, uh, just in to see you as a people responding to that. Uh, to see you as a people responding to the Lord in prayer and in worship and in praise in a in an amazing way. And if, if you haven't been in our corporate gatherings for a while, I just have to say the presence of God as we've been worshiping together, as we've been lifting his name on high, as we have been praising him, has just shown up in such a thick and powerful way. And I'm just I'm just as a as your pastor, I'm so pleased to see that type of spiritual activity. But it doesn't just stop there. When the Lord is talking about us growing in our commitment to one another, I've, I've recognized over this year through the various trials, through the various struggles, through the real challenges that we have faced as a people uh, in various ways. I have watched you come around one another in quiet ways, in ways that aren't lauded, that aren't shown off. You're showing up for one another uh, in practical, deep, loving, compassionate ways. And it has blessed me to see how you guys have been doing that. So I just I just want to commend you as as your pastor over this year through this just the tensions and the trials and the challenges that we faced and 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 all that has come against us and tried to assail us through the various attacks of the enemy against us across a spectrum of avenues. You as a people have been drawing together and you've been drawing to the Lord in that time. You've gone deeper into his word. You've been seeking his face, and he is showing up. And so I just want to just bless Jesus' name right now because he is just so wonderful, and he has been blessing us as a people together. So I'm just really thankful, and I just want to give you that report as we're closing out this year. And 
you know, I, I look at what's been taking place over this past week, and do you ever just get frustrated? You get frustrated with the enemy and what he's doing, and we we've been we've been kind of in that place of frustration. We've been kind of in that place of saying, "Enemy, you're, you're taking things too far. You've been uh, overstepping in so many different ways," and uh, we've been in prayer, battling uh, and contending over ourselves as a body and and for what the Lord is doing here, and. You know, this this past weekend, uh, both my wife and and Barb Mashter, uh, Pastor Daniel's wife, as uh, as Tim shared earlier, uh, both came down with COVID. You know, that's a that's a fairly strategic um, shot from the enemy, is the, the way I see it, uh, for both pastors' wives to come down with COVID on the same day. Um, I I can't not see that as anything else other than an attack against the two pastoral shepherd families of this house. And so I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. And, um, you know, we've we've even seen it uh, in our home. Um, two of our other boys uh, did get COVID as well. Everybody is doing well. Everyone is uh, coming through this well. And we are very, very thankful. We appreciate all of your prayers. And I want to say personally a major thank you to everybody who has called, who's texted, who's been praying for us, who brought us meals and uh, little gifts, just ways to encourage us and bless us through this time. You all have taken care of us so well. And I just want to thank you um, personally for how you have just lifted our family up in this time. And we have just felt the blessings and we have seen the Lord carrying us through this in a wonderful way. So we're rejoicing in how we're seeing health in our household in the midst of this struggle and trial. So God is good. He is, uh, Jesus is on the throne. And we are uh, looking forward to seeing what he is going to continue to do here in our father's house. Uh, let's, let's just be clear. For the enemy to be putting up such a, a barrage against us, uh, we know that he, there is something that he is trying to keep us back from. But I keep seeing you as a people pressing into the Lord. And I, I just encourage you right now, continue to press into him. Today, we are going to talk about Jesus. Uh, no surprise there. Shouldn't be a surprise to you. But we are in the Christmas season. We've had two messages uh, over the past two weeks looking at particular personages uh, in the story of the birth of Christ. We focused first on Mary two weeks ago and uh, shared a word about her and what she went through and how that applies to our lives. And then this last week, we spoke about Joseph and what he went through, the significance of who he is in uh, the lineage of, of Jesus, the inheritance uh, that he had, that he carried, where Jesus is found in his in his line, <clears throat> even though he is not the natural father of, of uh, Christ. Uh, but we spoke about why God chose him and um, and the powerful things that he was able to uh, to emulate and bring into that entire situation, the protection that he brought from Mary and from Jesus in that. And he was Lord's man, <laughs> the Lord's man on the scene in that scenario. But today we're going to talk about Jesus. And we are going to speak about him in particular here. Um, it's it's wonderful to see what uh, what Peggy brought forward this morning, uh, going into speaking about how he is the Lamb of God, how he came from Bethlehem, how he's born there, how the shepherds came and uh, and were heralded by the angels about him and, and came and found him, and he was just what as 
it was told that he was going to be. And so we're going to we're going to read back through that scripture. I'm going to have some portions of scripture here today that we've been through quite a bit frequent, uh, frequently over the past few weeks. But I want to pull them together here as we really focus in on Jesus today. And I want to say this <clears throat> this season that we're in this uh, not just this Christmas season, but it is the Christmas season. And right in the midst of this, right smack dab, what have we seen so much in the media right now? What have we seen going on in the world? We've seen a resurgence of COVID. We've seen this whole thing about Omicron. And, and uh, these are real challenges that we're facing. I'm not trying to diminish that in any way. But what I'm noticing as I've been meditating on this and looking at it is, you know, this issue of COVID, uh, it's a, this is a demonic uh, force. This is a demonic thing that's come against the world. It's been coming against the church. Uh, it's been coming against people. And what has happened in this Christmas season this year is this thing has resurged, and it is trying to steal the spotlight of that the Lord has and the focus on Jesus and draw its focus and attention upon it and to really, uh, once again, try to bring the world to its knees. And so uh, I don't want that to be the satisfaction. I don't want to have that satisfaction. We're here to speak about Jesus. It is We are celebrating him. We're celebrating his birth. We're celebrating what he did as God coming in uh, in the form of human flesh to dwell amongst us. And so we're going to just rejoice in him today. We're going to focus on him and his victory over death and everything that's come through the birth of him um, on Christmas Day. So I'm going to start off in, uh, in John 1, chapter 1. And so I'm going to read through this, and we've read through this recently. So we're going to refresh some of these things and just be ruminating um, as you as you can on the Word. And hopefully everybody's got their Bibles with them uh, that's there in uh, in person today. Um, but if you're at home, you should have a Bible around somewhere. So please uh, grab it and pull it out because we're going to go through the Word today. So John 1, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood this. All all, all this is about Jesus. All of this right here is about Jesus, and John is speaking about him directly. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning uh, concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself, John the Baptist, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was not was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of a natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That is something that should make us rejoice right there. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and in truth, that is Jesus. He is the Word from the beginning. He was there at the beginning. All things were made through Him, and He chose to be made flesh so that He could come and take our place 
and pay the price for our sins, that we might be forgiven, receive salvation, and entrance into the kingdom of heaven, so that we would have the right to be called the children of God. It's, this, is, this is so powerful for us to understand that he was the word made flesh and became dwell among us. So we're going to go back uh, from this now. We're going to go back into Matthew chapter 1. Now in Matthew chapter 1, we see <clears throat> uh, just here um, this declaration uh, that came to, to Joseph. Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 20. Um, when the angel came to him in the dream and spoke to him about the child that was to be born in Mary, in, you know, from Mary's womb. And remember, Joseph, as we spoke about, was getting ready to divorce her quietly uh, prior to their, their marriage. They were engaged, uh, and there was a contract already there. Uh, but he was prepared to step out of that uh, graciously to protect her in that situation. But God had a different plan, and here's what happened. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. He was made flesh. The word was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. And here it is. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And his name is to be Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The fact that God would come in the way that he did to save us from our sins, to demonstrate his great love for us by sending his one and only son to come and be and, and, and live here on the earth as a man. Remember, he's both fully God and fully man, but he went through all the challenges, all the trials, all the temptations that we face. And he was tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. He is the pure and spotless lamb that, was, that chose to come here to demonstrate God's love for us by paying the price and penalty for our sins. And so when we look at this situation here where God has sent him, he sent him into this place. And as we spoke about uh, last week, everything about the situation of Jesus coming into the world was was done in a way where he was put into a place of extreme vulnerability. Jesus was in a place that was incredibly vulnerable. He wasn't in a palace surrounded by uh, by soldiers to keep him protected from outside enemies. He he wasn't uh, born into a sterile environment. He was born into into a, a very uh, likely very dirty environment there um, where the animals were kept. And you remember, he was placed in a manger. And let's let's look at that. We're going to go to Luke chapter two, just to look at some of the the verbiage that's that surrounds this, and um, and to look at what took place there with uh, with the shepherds as the angels heralded him, and as he came here to earth. So we're going to do uh, Luke chapter two verses one through twenty. I, I I love reading through the scripture. It's important for us to really see the whole thing, get the picture of what's going on here, and let the just 
open yourself to the Holy Spirit right now as we're reading the word that he would bring things out there. He would highlight things to you that you may have never noticed before. Uh, this is a living, a living word. In those days, Caesar Augustus has issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that over that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. and Everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, uh, Galilee, Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I'm going to pause there. Remember, as Peggy was just sharing earlier today, Bethlehem is where the uh, the lambs that were to be used uh, in sacrifice were born. Uh, because Bethlehem is only about six miles away from Jerusalem. And this is the place where that would, would, would take place. And so... Um, it was important that the Lamb of God, who was to take away the sins of the world, who's to to uh, be brought to Jerusalem to be sacrificed for our sins, was born in the place where the lambs come from. And uh, what I understand is that uh, the swaddling cloths that were used uh, are the same type of swaddling cloths where the firstborn lambs that would come out, which were the ones that were to be used for sacrifice, uh, were swaddled. They were treated differently. They were cared for differently. And so uh, Jesus being swaddled in these cloths is very significant because it demonstrates that he, it's consistent with the traditions and what they what they knew to do um, for those those lambs, those sacrificial lambs. So here he is. He's going to he's come in Bethlehem. God put him in the place where he was supposed to be born and he was born and he was swaddled as the lamb should be swaddled. And he's um, he's there lying in the manger. Now we go uh, I think it's like three quarters of a mile away from from where you know the heart of Bethlehem is to the shepherd's field where uh, they would keep the flocks. And it says this uh, in verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And I think this is a statement of great joy for all the people at that time and all the people in the future. Because the good news of the gospel is still good news of great joy for all people. Jesus is the desire of all nations. And so him coming to earth with the angels heralded is it emanates now off across time. We, we bring you good news of great joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. A very specific statement. A baby wrapped in the swaddling cloths that you guys know everything about because your job is to receive the lambs as they are coming out, to separate off the ones that are to be used uh, as for the sacrifice, and you are the ones that are uh, are to receive them as they come forth. So what does God do? He sends the shepherds to go and receive the lamb to see that he was swaddled, and it's, he's going to be lying in a manger. And don't forget that. He's lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, 
praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been uh, had been told. Wow. Uh, can you imagine being these guys where you suddenly realize that your job, which is already fairly important, although uh, pretty pretty dirty and stinky and, uh, and requires so much of you, has now been elevated to a place of great significance across all of eternity. Uh, these, these rough and tumble shepherds that are out there in the fields at night doing their work are now called into an eternal moment where what they have been working at and laboring at with their hands and their families for generations now fully comes on, on scene as understood to be one of the greatest moments, oh, really, uh, one of the most amazing, incredible moments in history and a critical role in God's plan to rescue people from their sins. It's such a powerful, powerful, powerful time. And so I just want to share with you a few things that have really just been resonating with me as I've been focusing on, you know, on, on the Lord and his role in this and so much of the things that were happening in this moment, because there's layers upon layers upon layers of truth and revelation that is taking place by Jesus coming the way that he did. You know, we, we know that he's fulfilling many prophecies about him in this moment. And, you know, while there's the prophetic words and they come true and they come to pass, our understanding of what that's going to be like is rarely uh, an accurate picture of what actually ends up taking place. God tells us what he's going to do. Oftentimes we think we know what that means, but he does something totally different, which is still factually true. And it's greater than what we were anticipating. Uh, the people of God, the nation of Israel and others around them, had known about the prophetic words about the coming Messiah, and they had an anticipation of who he was going to be, what he was going to be like, and what he was going to do. And all of that was was not the full picture of what God actually had planned in the way that he had done it. And the, the proof and the evidence of this is that as this all comes forward, it is a surprise to everyone as to how this, is, how this has come about. Well, <clears throat> I think it's amazing that Jesus was born the way he was born and that he was placed in a manger. You know, the, the, the same Jesus who was, who was placed in a manger and laid in that place, which he's, he's not in, like we said, he's in a vulnerable position. He's not in a traditional place that the child is supposed to be laid in. He's not in a, uh, a place that is protected in a physical way, but he's perfectly in, in place with where he was supposed to be. He's perfectly in place with what God's plan was for him to be in. But all the, the surface, everything that we see, he's in a place of incredible vulnerability. And the Lord made a way for him, made a way for him to be perfectly protected. We know that we, as we shared last week, uh, God led Joseph through dreams into all the places he was supposed to bring Jesus so that he would be right in the center of the grace that was for him and be protected from the outside forces that are 
energized and driven by the enemy's desire to, to snuff Jesus out and keep him from doing what he's supposed to do. God moved him into every place that he was supposed to be. And so he had this perfect plan, but it's not been done in some grandiose way. He did it in some of the most practical, spirit, spiritual ways that, that we can look at. We just You look at all of this, uh, the happenings that are here, and they are miraculous in how God protected his son to bring him forth to maturity. Now, the same Jesus who is lying in a manger is the same Jesus who is lying on the cushion in the back of the boat. And that's an important thing for us to recognize because there's a consistency in this message. And that same Jesus that was lying in the manger, that was lying in the back of the boat, was also lying in the ground for three days. And each one of these scenarios, we see him in a place of incredible vulnerability and he is uh, in a place of, uh, of dependence upon the Father for him, for his provision, for his protection, and for his promotion. And God meets him. God the Father has his way in each one of these scenarios. And it's important for us as the people of God to see that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And he can be at peace. And he can be at rest. Even though everything around him looks like it should go badly for him. He is going to come through and he is going to be victorious. And he uh, is following through with God's plan through all of it. And there's a hopeful message for each of us in this in understanding it. We're going to go to Mark chapter 4 right now. There are three accounts of Jesus being in the back of the boat asleep. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41 is what we're going to read here. I like Mark's version because... um, his account of this because it actually talks about him being on the, on the cushion. All right, it says this. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now, remember, when we started this time in COVID, if you're with us back in March of 2020, we had a message, I preached a message about um, situations where we see storms and boats in Scripture. And how there's always another side to that storm and to that boat. And on the other side of that, there's incredible outpouring of deliverance and of healing for people. And this is this is one of those situations where Jesus is in the midst of uh, the storm, in the midst of uh, this, this boat on the storm. And on the other side of this journey where the waves are kicked up and where all this churn happens, uh, there is incredible outpouring of grace and power of the Lord that's coming for the deliverance and healing of people there. And so Jesus tells them here, he says, let's go over to the other side. Let's go over to the other side. I don't think he changed his mind about that. He told them we're going somewhere. In church, he has told us that we're going somewhere. But we found ourselves in the midst of this storm. And we've seen waves crashing over us. We've seen this resurgence of storms Time and time again, we feel like it's dying down. It's come back up again. But Jesus has still said there's another side for us here, and we're going there. And I believe personally as your pastor that what's waiting for us on the other side here is an incredible outpouring of healing, of deliverance, of signs and wonders, unlike what we have ever experienced as a people. And the Lord has been stirring us, and he's been been challenging us through this time to be at rest and be focused on him. And he hasn't... He hasn't changed his opinion on that. He hasn't changed his direction on that. He keeps telling us, follow me, get close to me, draw near to me, get into my word, love one another, 
be focused on me, be committed to me because I'm taking us through to the other side. Stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. I'm bigger than this storm. So here's what happens. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Have you felt like there's been waves coming over the side of our boat in the past year and a half? Just look at this past year. There are things that we have seen, we have experienced. Uh, we've, we've literally lost loved ones. We've had um, longstanding members of the church that have, have left. We've, we've seen so many things happen. And there's been those times where it feels like, man, these waves are breaking over the boat. Are we going to get swamped here? And um, we see right here, verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. You know, through all of this, through all of the, the crashing waves, through all of the challenges that we've had, through all the tensions that we felt, through everything that we have been going through, every time I look to the Lord, he is at peace. He is on the throne. He is okay. And he just says, just keep your eyes fixed on me because I'm taking us through this. Don't get churned up with all this. It's, this is not going to, to defeat you. And I just remember that no weapon that's been formed against us will prosper because Jesus is bigger than it. And we see what their response to him. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? They are in a place of great risk and great difficulty and great vulnerability. And they're feeling and they're seeing and they're experiencing all sorts of things, attacks coming against them. And they're not in control. They're out of control. All of their efforts are not What's keeping the boat upright? They are they are sure that this thing is going to go under. And they cry out to him, don't you care about what's happening to us? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, there's a message to us in this um, that Jesus, for one, is in control. Jesus is looking towards the other side, and he's resting, getting ready for that. what's happening on the other side there. And he is, of course, concerned about the well-being of his disciples, but greater than uh, his, his care for, um, for their physical situation, which he has control over there. He has sovereignty over. He... He's looking at them for where their faith is. Are they focused on the fact that their that their Lord, their Savior, their Messiah is in the boat with them? Or are they focused on the winds and the waves that are around them? There are always going to be distractions. There are always going to be attacks from the enemy that try to tear us apart. But Jesus is always calling us to focus on him, to draw close to him, to draw near to him, and to be in that place of peace and rest with him in the midst of the storm. Listen, Jesus calls us into the storm. Because he's called us there into it to go through it with him, to carry his presence to the other side of that storm, because he is going to be triumphant in that place on the other side of the storm. When Jesus went to the cross and gave up his life for us, he was laying in the ground for three days. And while everybody was focused on the fact that he died, he was focused on the fact that he was going to be raised to life again victorious. 
And on the other side of that storm, what came forth was beyond exponential increase in the release of resurrection power, eternal life, and the ability for us to step into the kingdom. And when he went to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to come and live and dwell in us and through us so that the same power that raised him from the dead would be released into the environment and the atmosphere that we are called into. And the enemy tries to keep us from understanding that and fully inhabiting that as a people. But God keeps calling us back to it. Now, something else about Jesus being laid in that manger, in that place that's not the natural place for him to be in. Have you ever considered the fact, and you probably have, what a manger is for? A manger is there to feed the animals, right? So here is the Lamb of God who's come for the salvation of the whole world. He is the bread of life. He is the shepherd of God's flock, and he is laid in a manger. A manger is a place where animals come to feed. And Jesus tells us that he is the bread of life and that we are to consume him. Let's go to to John chapter 6. I just love this. John chapter 6. This is when, after Jesus has fed the 5,000, they've come back to him the next day. They're like, hey, can you can you feed us again? Uh, we really liked that free lunch. And uh, he, this is where he starts to challenge them. And Jesus says some things that are meant and intended by him. One, be truthful. But two, to winnow and to see who it is that's serious about following him. Because he says some hard things. It's a hard teaching. And many people fall away at that point in time. So we're going to be in John chapter 6, starting in verse 35. And this this is a, an interesting passage. But remember, he's the Lamb of God. Slain before the foundation of the, of the world. He's born in Bethlehem. He is the lamb. He is the lion. He is the shepherd. He is the bread of life. Living waters flow out of him. And so here, here he is. This is what he says to them. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that has been given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that one who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Everyone who looks to me and believes shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling amongst yourselves. That's like an eternal word from Jesus to the church and to to the people of God. Stop grumbling amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has an everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. 
But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're saying, is he telling us to cannibalize him to actually eat his flesh? I mean, that's that is so wrong on so many levels. And I'm incredibly offended right now. I came here to get bread and fish like we got yesterday. And here he is saying that he's the bread of life and that we're supposed to eat him. So here's where Jesus just ups the ante and really riles them up. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. And many left him that day. And when he looked at his, uh, looked at the twelve afterwards, he says, uh, you do not want to leave me too, do you? That's in verse 67. And Peter says to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. That's the, I don't understand, but where else can we go? Um, maybe I'm going to understand this someday. And you see, when Jesus goes to the, final, the Last Supper, he shows them, this is, my, this is bread, this is my body, it's broken for you. This is my blood in the new covenant poured out for you and the wine. And he's recognizing here that we are to feed on him. We are to consume him. We are to partake of him. We are to abide in him and he in us. And it's not just about going to heaven when we die. It's about us being united and, and unified in him, one with him, one with the Father, them and us, us and them. This was the whole idea from the beginning. And here he is. This Jesus, this child, lays in a manger, the bread of life, ready and signifying that he is to be consumed. And here he says, consume me, you are to consume me. And then on the night that he was betrayed, he says, you must consume me, you must come to me, you must abide in me. And, And his prayer to the Father is that we would be one as they are one. God has called us into something that is so much greater, so much higher than was understood throughout Scripture, and so much higher than we walk around with generally as our understanding of who he is and who we are in him and what he is doing in the earth. This isn't a situation of us saying, hey, Jesus is my co-pilot. It is Jesus is my king, and I follow him. He doesn't follow me around. I follow him and where he is going. And I live my life to honor him. I lay my life down as a sacrifice for him. That he might be glorified. That the Father would be glorified in everything that I do. Jesus lived in a place of incredible vulnerability. And we find ourselves right now in this time 
in a place and in a season of incredible vulnerability. Everything is coming at us with these the wind and the waves crashing against us, trying to overturn things and draw our attention from the fact that we have the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, the Holy One, God Himself in the boat with us, and He is not scared. He is not afraid. He is He is uh, completely confident and at rest in the midst of this thing, and He is going to see us through it. That has never stopped. It will continue on. What He says is, "Just keep coming to Me." I know there's folks out there that have been been scared in this time. You've been cautious in this time and 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 rightly so these are challenging things that we're facing and each of us has to do what is right in our conscience before the lord as we maneuver these times together but i i encourage you with this let your hope and your trust and your faith be in him and don't let the fear of everything that is around you draw your eyes away from him and make you think that he doesn't care about you and that he has abandoned you in the midst of this because it is untrue. He is with you and he is going to see you and he is going to see us through all of this. He's going to bring us through together. Turn to Psalm 23, if you will. I don't know about you, but I find myself going back to this a lot of times in this season that we're in <clears throat> because we have been moving through this place of the shadow of death and that's affected us in a number of ways but listen to this the lord is my shepherd i shall not be in want this is the same one who was who came to the shepherds as that new lamb he makes me lie down in green pastures He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Many of us are in a place right now where we need him to restore our soul, to to stabilize us, to refresh us, to fill us with that new and refreshing life. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Emmanuel, he is with me. He is with us, God with us, Emmanuel, the word made flesh dwelling among us. And here is David, his ancestor, speaking about him. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In everything that I can see around me that's assailing me, and these enemies that are coming after me, arrayed against me, You prepare a table for me in their presence because your economy, who you are, your kingdom is greater than everything that is around me. You supersede all that and you superimpose yourself right into the midst of that. And you prepare a place of fellowship for me with you, God, in the presence of all of that. With all that the enemy would array against me, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are promises to you. They are promises to you. Go to Psalm 91. As we come here into Psalm 91, I'd like you to consider, if you were with us last week, and you've heard the message last week about Joseph coming around Mary, 
how he was her kinsman redeemer, how Boaz came around Ruth, how she said, spread your, spread your, uh, your, your garment over me, uh, the hem of your garment, put your wings over me. This, this notion of, of this kinsman redeemer coming around to protect in the midst of these challenging circumstances, in the midst of one who needs redeemed to redeem, to come around and protect and provide and support and promote. And we see that with, with Boaz, and we see that on down through, and you see that in Joseph, the righteous man who came around Mary and protected her, who stood in a hard place, was a solid rock for her there, representing the heart of God to this woman who had said, be it unto me as you have said, as you have spoken, and received Christ into her, you know, and to incubate him, to bring him forth. She's in a place of complete vulnerability, and Joseph comes around her to support her. Hear that context in what we're, we're saying here, because it demonstrates the heart of God. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Listen to this right here. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. His wings, his feathers coming around you. Your Redeemer lives, and he lives, and he is covering you, and he's come around you to protect you. Find your shelter. Find your sanctuary in him. He is your faithful, his faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks by darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Rebuke that enemy for coming against you. This illness, this COVID, rebuke it. There's a spirit behind it. Rebuke that spirit. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I will be with him in trouble. God is with you. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is with you in the midst of trouble. And when everything around you looks like it can fall apart, he is there to protect you. He is there to uplift you. He is there to work in ways that you cannot see to bring about his victory there. Now, we are facing a deadly pestilence. We are facing a surge right now. Now, my household, the Patterson household, Pastor Dan's household, the Master household, has been hit with with this most recent resurgence. We don't know which variant we have, but what we have seen is that God has been good to us in the midst of it. He has brought about healing for us. He's bringing about restoration and health in our households. We rejoice in him, and we're not living in fear. We're living in triumph and victory over what the enemy would throw against us. And so I want to encourage you today, 
you see how contagious this most recent variant is. Do not be intimidated by it and do not be put into fear by it. I am not telling you to be reckless or to throw everything off with that. What I'm saying is some of us will become ill with this. We already are in our household. But do not be living in fear from this thing. Do not be afraid should you become ill. Cry out to the Lord. Rejoice in his name. No weapon that has been formed against you shall prosper. Declare his victory over this thing. Pray, worship, and be in his presence. He will see us through this. He will carry us through as a people. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. If we discover anyone is sick, go before the Lord on their behalf and pray his health and his healing and his victory over this enemy that would be, would be arrayed against them. Church, we're coming through this. We're coming through the storm. Jesus is with us. He is in the boat with us. He has never left us. He has never abandoned us. He never will. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he's calling us through this. There is a time and a season that is coming for us as a people where we will see incredible deliverances, incredible healings, incredible signs and wonders. But let our focus not be drawn off of him. He is one who comes into the places of vulnerability and meets us there. He demonstrated it in his life. He has demonstrated it across time since then, how he is with his people in times of trouble. He is with you. He is present with you. Do not fear. Draw close to him. Draw near to him, and he will see you through. The victory belongs to Jesus. It always has. It always will. I love you, OFH. I love you, everyone who has been uh, been part of us here locally and those that join us from far off. We love you, and we're all facing this time together. But let us as the people of God not live in fear in the midst of it, but let us find peace and rest in him. Let us find our hope and our strength in Jesus. Let us draw near to him in this time because he will see us through. Care for one another. Love one another, pray for one another, help one another in practical, meaningful ways like we've learned to do even more so this year, and be a blessing to one another as the body of Christ. In all things, let us look to him and give thanks. I'm going to pray for you, and then Tim is going to uh, come back up to the microphone there in the room, and he is going uh, to release you. Um, We're just looking to the Lord in the midst of this time. We've been moving through this as a family, and I just have to say I've been so overjoyed to see how how well my wife and my children have been coming through this and to see how you as a people have loved us and supported us through this. It has been an incredible testimony of the body of Christ and what God is doing in this season. Be joyful in this season. The message is still true. They brought us good news of great joy for all people. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you that you have brought us through this year, Lord. Lord, I thank you that even in the midst of this challenging time, that there are people in the house, physically in the house today, Lord. Lord, that we have come through this year, 
And, Lord, that we as a people are standing firm in you and we are saying, Lord Jesus, we cry out to you. You are our refuge. You are our strength. You are our shield and rampart. And we thank you that you have saved us. We thank you for your power and your love and your mercy and your grace that is among us. And, Lord, we just look to you for your uh, your health and your healing over us and over our region, over this nation, over this planet right now in the midst of what the enemy would be bringing forward to try to assail us and to rob our focus of you in this season and to put it on something else. So, Jesus, we choose right now to align our eyes back on you and to rest in you, to receive your strength, to receive your power. Lord, our faith, our hope, and our trust is in you. I bless your people right now, Lord Jesus, with healing, with grace, Lord, with strength, and Lord, with faith to be locked onto you in this time, knowing that there is another side to this storm. And on the other side, Lord, what is waiting for us is a great outpouring that unlike anything we have ever seen or experienced, Lord, but you are preparing our hearts as your people in this time to receive what's coming in that season. So, Lord, I ask right now, you do a work in us as a people. I ask right now, Lord, as we come through and across into this next year, because 2022 is starting this week, Lord Jesus, we just come to you and Lord, we give it to you right now. We give it to you right now. And we say, Lord, set us apart as your people. Let us be focused on you Lord. that we would see your outpourings this year, Lord Jesus. We would see what you're doing this year, Lord Jesus. Lord, we would, we ask that the that you would send the harvesters, Lord, for what's coming in the harvest field. Lord, that you would soften the hearts of people, that they would be drawn to you. And that your people, Lord, whether they're at OFH or anywhere else in this region, Lord Jesus, we just pray that your people, your body of Christ, would be ready and prepared to receive who is coming. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. OFH, bless you. I can't wait to see you. Join us next week. We do have uh, an encounter service coming. I'm excited to see what God's going to do in there. And also, this Wednesday night, we do have Pursuit Night. We're going to have uh, a playlist that uh, is, is going to be playing that night in the building, but also we'll have it up online uh, through Facebook. So please uh, join us, whether it's in person or online. Uh, come together uh, this Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. It's going to be just a blessed time for us as the people of God as we're we're. Going out of this year, coming into the new year, being in the presence, pursuing the presence of the one who came to pursue us. God bless you. Have a very uh, merry end of the Merry Christmas weekend and a very happy new year. Love you all. Bye-bye. I want to encourage you to tell the storm. Do not go to God and tell him how great is your storm. Go to your storm and tell him it, how great is your God. Do not go to God and tell him how great is your storm. Go to the storms in your life and tell the storm how great is your God. I also encourage you that blessing, Numbers 24. Memorize this blessing. Pray it over your children. Pray it over your family. Pray it over yourself. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon each and every one of you and give you peace and harmony today and for the rest of the year to come. Amen. Go in peace and be blessed.